What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of the Totally Biased Podcast. I am your host, Cam Preventure. Everybody calls me C-Pro. And as always, I am with Nick, rise to, to the occasion, Rogers. Hey! So now, what do we do? Oh, it's a podcast. That's right. That's right. I'm brand new at this, so uh, I don't really know what I'm doing, but we're just going to start recording and see what happens. Um, so welcome to the Totally Biased Podcast. Uh, I've been wanting to start this podcast now for a little while, uh, and the name originates kind of just from my totally biased opinions of sports, music, movies, uh, and also one of our good friends uh, used to write a totally biased article um, for uh, a small New York paper, uh, and he titled it Totally Biased, so uh, I kind of piggybacked off of that. Uh, he said it was cool and everything, so no uh, copyright violations for the title, but um, we hope you guys enjoy. Well, we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. So a couple of things that we wanted to talk about first uh, was about what future segments we're going to have on this podcast. Uh, so I am lucky enough to have some great friends uh, that kind of wanted to go in on this project with me. Uh, and so the first segment we're going to have is with Corey and Sabrina. They don't have a name yet for their segment, uh, but you'll be able to hear it uh, after Nick and I are done talking today. Um, and you can kind of get a feel for uh, what they're going to be talking about. Um, I believe their first recorded episode is about uh, controlling relationships. Uh, so they'll be on right after, right after this. Uh, the next segment that we'll be having uh, about two or three times a month uh, is going to be Nick and Colin. Um, and their segment is going to be called The Beer Fridge. And so... Uh, Nick, Colin, and I moved from Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon, uh, and some of the similarities are uh, food and beer. Uh, so they are going to be doing some deep dives into the local brews in Portland, Maine and Portland, Port Portland Oregon, uh, and kind of just uh, talking about the similarities and differences um, and kind of what they like and what they don't like. Uh, they also have some pretty opinionated uh, politic di dis discussions here in Oregon, so they'll be doing that. Uh, with you as well, which will be super cool. Uh, the third segment that we'll be having uh, twice a month, roughly, is called Father Time, um, and it is when um, I'm going to have my dad on. Um, my dad and I have some pretty heated discussions about different things regarding politics, sports, and kind of everyday life, uh, and I thought that um, that content would kind of be interesting and, re and relatable as well to... Um, our target audience and kind of everybody that um, listens to the podcast. Um, and then the last segment that we'll have integrated is uh, going to be called uh, Men's Wellness and kind of just uh, about what I do uh, and what my friends do to stay healthy and uh, whether that's working out, eating right, what products we use for different for different things um, to kind of give you a different perspective on what we individually use. Uh, and so next, Nick and I are going to be diving into some uh, sports news. And today is Sunday, March 24th. And we'll be right back.
All right, so we're back. So uh, Nick, to kick this segment off, I'm gonna just throw you throw some stats at you, and tell me what you think. Okay. All right, let's go. All right, this player played nine seasons in the in the, in the NFL. He played 115 total games, 521 receptions, almost 8,000 yards, 79 total touchdowns. He had four years over 1,000 yards receiving, and he had five seasons of 10 or more touchdowns. It's pretty good. Hall of Famer or no? Well, can you give the position? Tight end. Tight end. With those kind of numbers, that's, yeah, that's first ballot Hall of Famer. He also had three Super Bowls. <laughs> Rings. Rings. Okay, so not Rings. De- definite Hall of Famer now. <laughs> so this fine tight end is Robert Gronkowski, and he has announced his retirement as of, what was it, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon today, West Coast time. Uh, and so I would like to kind of reflect on his career uh, and just kind of talk about what he meant to the Patriots and kind of the, the NFL as a whole. Um, you know, it's unfortunate about the injury question. Um, you know, he's been played with injuries his entire career. Um, if he had been healthy for his entire career, his numbers, uh, I, I mean, they're already insane, but they would have been astro. Astronomical. Um, he missed uh, what? He missed nine games in 2013. He missed uh, five in 2012, and he missed eight in 2016. And that, I mean, that's not even that's not counting playoffs. That's strictly regular season. Uh, and so Gronkowski really, you know, Tony Gonzalez, you know, is the goat. Obviously, Antonio Gates is right up there. Uh, Shannon Sharp's a really good tight end, or was a good tight end as well. But Gronk kind of really brought unique versatility, I feel like, to the world of tight ends um, and kind of was a one-of-a-kind player. The fact that he was one of the best blockers on the team, could block a DN, a linebacker, a safety, a corner, whatever. He, he could block anybody. He could catch 30, 40, 50. He caught... 90 balls his second year in the league and he was a red zone machine and he would literally drag players down the field on his back and I think because of this physicality and the tenacious attitude that he brought didn't I mean I I don't want to say it led on to his injuries but it definitely caused a few of them just because there was no true way to bring this guy down and it was unfortunate that, you know, tore his ACL, had multiple back surgeries, broke his forearm, um, you know, but looking back on it, it's, um, he was a hell of a player. Um, I love watching him. I'll continue to watch his videos and, and, uh, follow his crazy social media presence. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, so Nick is a Steelers fan. So I guess kind of on the outside looking in, uh, you know, what did you kind of see Gronk as and kind of like, what did you like like about him or dislike about him or anything like that um uh being a Steelers fan usually you hate everything Patriots but Gronk actually had a personality um that I feel like people on other teams and fans of other teams you could at least appreciate it he's just like this goofy guy um and then you got to respect who he was he was always double teamed all this um and so I, I feel like there's 
no bad blood with Gronk. I think most teams are probably happy. As right around two p.m. this afternoon, everyone was yep. like, "Sweet, finally, you know, maybe the Patriots will come down a peg." Well, not. I mean, not only that, but like this is this could be the first peg to fall in there. Brady Belichick regime. Yeah, uh, and I think that you started bringing up a really good question is, you know, had he stayed healthy, had he been able to compete all those years, uh, I think the question will always be who is the best tight end ever. And, you know, you're going to have your Antonio Gates, your Tony Gonzalez, and I think Gronk will always be there. Um, and instead of solidifying his place as number one, I think you now will always have this debate. And um, I know Patriots fans will always say he's number one, but I feel like stats-wise there's a, a lot of conversation to be had and longevity. Well, yeah, I think, you know, you bring up a good point with longevity because Tony Gonzalez played how many seasons? 18, 20 seasons, something like that? Yeah, something stupid. Some stupid amount of seasons. Uh, And you're right. I mean, durability and longevity are two major factors and components of being one of the best of all time. Uh, And so, you know, unfortunately with, with Gronk, you know, only playing nine years, Definitely puts a damper on it, but just the fact that when he was on the field, he had a presence unlike any other player. Um, and the other thing about Gronk, just you know, to, that goes along with his physicality, is his catch radius. And it, like, I mean, now like the last two years, he's been prim- primarily a blocker, which is fine. But in his prime, you know, you would just throw it in a three-foot window, four-foot window, and he'd come down with it. I like, mean, just unbelievable. You're watching ESPN, and every week there's, like, two plays from Gronk. Both of them are touchdowns. He's catching two touchdowns a game, and you can almost call the plays. Uh, it was infuriating when your team has to verse them annually like the Steelers does. Yeah, and it's like, you know, because, I mean, you had this with A.B., and, you know, with especially with A.B., it's like double teams didn't even matter. Same thing with Gronk. You just threw it in that window, and he was coming down with it. Uh yeah, so I was just looking up Tony Gonzalez. He played 16 years. 16 years, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, had, I mean, had Gronk had played, well, God, seven more years. That's a freaking long time. Seven more years plus being healthy for all seven of those years, you know, he would have easily passed Tony Gonzalez. But yeah. any, anyways. His injuries are kind of what slowed him down in the last couple of years of production. Tony Gonzalez missed two games his entire career in the regular season. Dang. 16 years, two games. Again, durability, huge factor in being, you know, the greatest. Holy smokes. Yeah. Uh, so, big loss for the Pats. Um, you know, granted, he wasn't, he wasn't doing much as far as in the receiving uh, core, but, you know, just as far as a veteran that's been there that knows Tom Brady really well, um, his security blanket, um, and protection, honestly, too, being on that, being on that line every now and then. Uh, will, will be a, a big loss, but as we've uh, seen almost every year, Brady does more with less. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, now that they're in the, the scrap heap of players and somehow you have all these av- players performing average and they're still winning Super Bowls. I do have a question for you, though. Yeah. So, um, of course, we go down, you know, Gronk's career and you just go, if anyone who doesn't know, go to YouTube and type in Gronk highlights, you're going to, like, poop yourself. Oh, yeah, it's like... Stupid good, yeah. Now, as a Patriots fan, at the start of this past season, it said it, there was rumored, um, and it sounds like it was true, is that they were actually trying to trade Gronk over to I think Detroit. Detroit, yeah. Uh, to the former coach. Well, there was a there was actually a deal done, apparently, and Gronk said, "If you trade me, I will retire." 
<laughs> the only team I want to play for are the Patriots, and the only quarterback that I want is Tom Brady. That I mean, so that's but yeah, go ahead. So what's your question? Sorry. Um, you know, since we're on the topic of his retirement and his career, how did you feel as a, a Patriots fan when you heard like the organization? Because I mean, he you got to think there's been three staples in your organization for the last decade, and that's Brady, Bell. Well, those are two decades, but you you get what I'm saying. Yeah, Brady, yeah. Belichick, and Gronk have been yep. the face of the franchise for so long. Honestly, at first, um, I was upset. I was a little hurt by it because I do love Gronk. He has been a part of our team now for eight years. Uh, this was his ninth. Uh, and, you know, the unfortunate part is that Belichick and the, the, the Patriot way, per se, right? The Patriot way is, A, they don't pay uh, either for, like, top talent or re-sign players for crazy deals they they just don't they 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 systematically find their deals for the season granted it's been 18 years and there have been a a few years where it's like oh that was actually a bad contract but for the most part they've had great deals um you know i think that trade um or potential trade was kind of a contract slash um ability I think because you know Gronk is getting older obviously he was one or two hits away from being done for his entire career you know not retiring like he did today but he was either one back surgery one knee surgery one concussion away from just being done altogether the guy's got more uh, metal in him than the terminator seriously so I think it was a, it was a combination of knowing that Gronk was almost done they didn't want that cap hit or they 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 thought that they could, you know, um, find a better use for that money and get top dollar or top value for what the Patriots thought for him because he was still one of the best tight ends in the game. Um, so I totally get it. Um, I didn't like the deal just because, again, it's, he's one of Tom Brady's security blankets. Um, you have his jersey? I, I don't have his jersey, but um, I don't love Gronk, no. Oh, snap. I didn't I know, know that. No. Um, <laughs> Call yourself a Patriots fan. Jeez. Yeah, right? Uh, had so, 10 years to get one. I know, I know. So uh, I probably have to do it now, actually, now that he's retired. But, uh, so it was, it, you know, it's his security blanket. Tom Brady, you know, knows who he is, um, uh, uh, tr- you know, trusts him. And so I think for me it was just kind of like, well, damn, like he, Brady loses one of his best, you know, his best friends and best options. Um, but I'm glad that... Grant kind of put his foot down and you know Pats came back to him and paid him which is which is fine and great I mean we won the Super Bowl so I mean I can't <laughs> complain but at the same time you know it is a business and you know Brady and Belichick have been the two constants for the last 18 years but at the same time you know Brady has said this over and over again he's like I come in to this team every fall and I'm competing for a job it's, nothing's given to me um, nothing set in stone. Nothing is, you know, guaranteed. Uh, and so I think that was also part of it. It's just like we know Gronk's almost done. However, we feel like we have his ability level and skill level or or comparable at a lesser value. So they wanted to go with a cheaper route. And ultimately, that they just you know they decided to keep Gronk, um, and it worked out for the best. I mean, he he had that crazy catch in the, in the Super Bowl to um, set up the pass for that game winning touchdown. And he was an unbelievable blocker in the playoffs um, and all season, really. So, um, but 
Definitely hurt a little bit at first, for sure. And speaking about being hurt, <laughs> this happened a few weeks ago. You know, we're, uh, we apologize for being late on the uptake. But, you know, since uh, Nick is a big Steelers fan and just lost two of the three Bs uh, on his squad. Um, three of the four. Boswell's not with us anymore, I don't think, either. Oh, wow. I didn't even know Chris Boswell was part of the Killer Bees. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Uh, so, AB is now officially an Oakland Raider. And got crazy guaranteed money like he wanted. Uh, and hardly, you know, the crazy antics and the um, uh, locker room dismay or whatever that all happened with the Steelers, it very rarely, tur- you know, turns out well for the player. Normally, uh, teams don't give him the money that he wants, i.e. Le'Veon Bell, but he's still signed with the Jets. Um, or... Ultimately, you suck in your pride and you go back to the team that, you know, you said you wouldn't sign with because it's the most money that's out there. Um, but uh, but Brown is now an Oakland Raider and uh, I well I think it's a, nah, I shouldn't say significant, but it's a it's de- definitely a QB downgrade from Big Ben. Um, but what's your opinion about that shenanigans and kind of how the the Steelers are now? <clears throat> well, first I got to address one thing. You guys will learn that C Pro thinks Ben Roethlisberger, everything he says is, you know, a scrap heap quarterback, that everyone else is better. Derek Carr is a significant decrease in quarterback. <laughs> significant. He's not the MVP candidate he was a couple years back. Um, but how do I feel about it? I, I feel like, one, he was one of our faces of our franchise. He was a great personality until he wasn't. Kind of sucked at times. But, um,. His numbers, I mean, he's been around. I think he was with us for eight or nine seasons. Um, You know, caught 800 catches with us or whatever it is. And, you know, when you have someone that people are mentioning Jerry Rice with, um, that is the last person you want to leave your team. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as things played out, it was pretty much just almost exclusively about money. He ran out of guarantees and he just wanted more. Um, So he created, you know, some issues. Yeah, but it sucks overall. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, whatever, we'll be fine without AB, uh, especially as the Browns just are putting together a, a Super Bowl Jeez. run for a team. Uh, oh, hey, speaking of, speaking of the Browns, real quick, uh, my, one of my best friends, Mr. Travis Rand, if you're listening to this, who is a New York Giants football fan, former, has recently changed his cover photo and profile, and profile picture of two Cleveland Browns. So, Travis, if you're out there, please write me an email, send me a text, or give me a call. And uh, I would love the explanation. Um, now, you love OBJ, so maybe that's the reason why, now that he's a uh, Cleveland Brown, and I know you loved Baker at, at, at Oklahoma, so, you know, there are multiple reasons why I could see. But if you are changing your alliances, I need, like, a, former, uh, a formal letter. Thank you very much. Okay, back to uh, the Steelers. Go ahead. Uh, no, I kind of finished my pieces. Just like it, it, I mean, it sucks to see Antonio Brown's a once in a generation talent. We won't see another guy like that for at least five more years. He's unbelievable. You can't deny his skill. But I mean, I can't dwell on the past at this point. I thought I don't know if management went the best route with that. I'm sure other teams were offering more. So I'm a little confused by how we got nothing for Brown. Well. Yeah, so it was a third and fifth rounder, and then what? What, what was it? Uh, like eight or nine days later, 
OBJ was traded for a first, a third, and a first-round pick last year in Jabril Peppers. So it's like, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was the attitude issues or supposed attitude issues with Brown or if it was his his antics or what. But, um, I mean, so... The, the- this is just reminiscent of like speaking of the Patriots, the Jamie Collins trade. Jamie mm-hmm. Collins was like one of the most coveted linebackers at the time, mm-hmm. and they traded him away. I want to almost say like for literally nothing, because uh, he just was he just demanded more money, wasn't putting any effort on the field, and I almost wonder if it was just kind of like that was a um, more of a nuisance to have in the locker room, bringing the team down. Uh, it's just difficult when it's Antonio Brown and his skill level. Yeah, it, uh, so I'm just looking up the um, I'm looking up the Jamie Collins trade right now um, because it was it, yeah it definitely was for a draft pick. I mean, in that like Jamie Collins went to management. At least this is how it was brought up, and it was like, hey, I think I deserve more money, blah blah blah. And um, I guess you don't go to management and tell them what you're worth, um, <laughs> or no, or the Pats, <laughs> yeah, or you know try to ex- explain yourself because uh, you know a week l- later he was shipped out, um, and so so it says J- uh, Jamie Collins was traded for a third round compensatory pick if the Browns are awarded one. If the Browns didn't get that pick from the league, the trade is for a fourth round pick. I don't remember exactly what it was at the time, but it was either a third or a fourth rounder. Uh, and Jamie Collins, Jamie Collins got paid by the Browns after that, too. And just released got, this past Right, and then he just got weeks? cut two, we- uh, two years later, right? Two was, weeks ago. Yeah, so it's, yeah, 2016 is, that, is when that happened, and then he's, he just got released. So, yeah, two and a half years later. Um, so, yeah, and so, you know, <laughs> at the time... Jamie Collins wanted Vaughn Miller money. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. He wanted Vaughn Miller money. Six-year, 114.5 is what Vaughn Miller got. Yeah, he's not. 70 guaranteed. That's what Vaughn Miller got. 70 guaranteed? Wow. Yeah. Six-year, 114. 70, Quarterbacks don't even get that much guaranteed. guaranteed. Exactly. And so that's what he wanted. Uh, and uh, the Pat said, thanks, but no thanks. You're going to the, well, then, basement of the NFL. Yeah. And the Cleveland Browns. Well, I guess now he's still in the basement because he's not on the team anymore, and now yeah. they're good. He's probably going to so, the Cardinals now. Yeah. Um, AB, same thing. Asked for – well, I don't know if he straight – I don't know if he straight up asked for money, but I guess he did at the end, right? He wanted more guarantees. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a – he gave every issue under the sun there. Yeah. So uh, asked for more guarantees, shipped him off to Oakland for virtually a ball bag, uh, and then a week later, OBJ gets traded for, you know – Three, three times that. Um, you know, that being said, uh, in my opinion, the AFC North is kind of being turned upside down on, on its head a little bit. You know, the, the Browns um, won, what, one game in two years, and then last year they won eight or nine. So, um, so yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, that was a little sneak peek about sports in the last couple weeks, and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back for one last uh, section, if you will, b- before Corey and Sabs take it over. I'm going to have Nick kind of introduce Corey and Sabs and um, just give a little brief description about them and what they'll be talking about. 
Hey guys, this is Rise to the Occasion. Um, this next uh, segment coming up, uh, we're going to go with the running title, Girl on Girl, till they tell us what it is, just for humor purposes. Um, and essentially, Sabs is my wife, and Corey is her best friend. She was actually in her wedding, it was awesome. And they both uh, had some experience in some not positive relationships, so this first segment is really going to be around like kind of controlling relationships and the, the crap that goes on with that. It's good for the guys to listen to, but also... Um, any girls that have ever been in similar relationships, you could probably get some. You might be in one, so I think it's going to be really beneficial for you to check out. And future segments are just going to be more girl-on-girl talk. Um, you know, some of the juicy stuff that guys don't get to hear and uh, and what girls want to gossip about. So I hope you like it. And uh, we'll be introducing the beer fridge next week and hopefully father time and men's wellness in two weeks. We'll talk to you guys then. Bye. Hey, it's Corey. And Sabrina. Coming at you. <laughs> We're coming at you hot today. Trying to figure out this whole podcast thing, this recording stuff. It's going yeah. swell. Yeah. Um, we didn't just spend an hour trying to figure out how to do that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That we would be absurd. 100% know what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So Experts. I basically, <laughs> I basically wrote the code for the app, so... If y'all could just like sit down and respect, <laughs> that'd be great. Anyways, moving Much on. Appreciate that. <laughs> so today's topic is going to be controlling relationships. How's that for your first coming out hot bang <laughs> sesh? Really re- reeling you in here. <laughs> Threw the book out, reeling you in. Yeah. <laughs> if you still listen to us after this episode, it's going to be a miracle. <laughs> Let's face it, After, hopefully after this episode, we'll get listeners, and then they'll have to, like, retroactively listen to us on our first podcast and just, like, cringe the whole time, be like, oh my gosh, they were so bad. <laughs> I mean, hopefully we get better over time. That's true. I'd like to think so. Or we just stay the same old status quo horrible. <laughs> That's more likely, let's be honest, but it's all right. <laughs> All right. So, okay. I don't have it in front. Oh, yes, I do. Our questions. Um, yeah, I do too, but I'm going to have to um, look at my, my Google Doc here. Um, so, okay. what did you use for, like, resources? Because I'm curious to know if we use the same ones. Um, well, okay, so I looked... The only real thing I looked up was psychology today. There was like an article on it, but to be honest, I didn't look up that much because I was really just going to go off of, you know, some personal experience. I think that's what listeners want to hear. <laughs> Anyways, um, did, did you look up the one that had like the 20 signs that you're in a controlling relationship or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the other thing too, is that, um, one thing that I wanted to say is, so I was once in a controlling relationship, obviously. That's, like, why we picked this topic, kind of, um, for, like, six years. So um, one thing that I was looking at, I think I was looking at a similar article. It was saying, like, how you know you're in a controlling relationship. And I remember being in my relationship, looking at stuff like that, being like, oh, like, he does this, but, like, he doesn't do that. So, like, I must not be in a controlling relationship. And I feel like one thing that you should probably should probably point out is that if you're ever googling 
am I in a controlling relationship? <laughs> it's pretty likely that you are. That's a hundred percent. Just gonna <laughs> come flying out there. I remember, yeah, I remember being there, being like, oh, like he doesn't do everything on this list, so he just does ninety nine percent. I mean, he doesn't like punch in the mouth every day so like we must be fine <laughs> um yeah so like you know I too was in a controlling relationship uh and just like overall horrible but I think like during the time that you're in that relationship you I think you know we all go to we all have some sort of education on like what a controlling relationship is, especially like our age group. I think it's just really common and really like prevalent. Um, we all kind of have a feel for the signs, but I think we ign- or just kind of like sugarcoat and like give our um, significant other like excuses to try and like make it seem better than it is. Like they do that, but yeah. it's because, you know, they care so much about me. Right. It's like, he loves me so much. Like that's why he doesn't want me to hang out with other guys or like have guy friends is because he just loves me and he's worried. And like, I feel like it's so much easier to spot when it's someone else. Like, I think that's so just for like a little background information, like Sabrina and I've been best friends for like 15 years, but for like three no of those big years, deal. We- for three of those years we didn't speak to each other because of this guy that I was dating and it was like he was he would say stuff like oh if you really loved me you wouldn't hang out with her because she's not good for you and the only reason I think she's not good for you is because I said so without any real I think that was like number six on psychology today (laughs) (laughs) like like 17 year old Corey's just like I don't I don't know about that like psychology today I wouldn't you know what you're talking yeah. about like do you even have actual psychologists on there who knows is this accredited website I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> um but um what were we just saying just, yeah I guess yeah. it's easier to see like in other people's like you don't really see it in your own life a lot of the time Absolutely, because and it's you're like, just so like, and it's hard to like admit that to yourself because, like, let's face it, everyone, like, no one likes to be wrong, no one likes to be confronted with that, and most of the time, I'm gonna say, probably most of us avoid conflict at all costs. So, like, even conflicting right. with yourself, you're like, I don't want to deal right. with and it. And it's it, fine. It's fine. It's fine. And the, I think the bottom line too is that like you always want to think that this person that you chose like you chose this person to be with you want to believe that they have your best interest and I mean I think with a lot of people who are you know narcissistic and controlling and that kind of thing in their head they may they may think like oh I do know what's best for her or him but I mean in in reality the only person that really knows what's best for you is yourself like even if someone loves you so much and they say I you know I'll do anything for you I love you I'm just doing this because I love you like at the end of the day if it's not what you want it's not you know what your life aligns with it doesn't matter if they have your best interest in their mind in their mind yeah if it's not what you want and I think it doesn't matter you brought up a good point like with saying you know someone who's narcissistic and controlling and stuff like that you know it I think you don't always have to be like that you could just be your average Joe Schmo your average you know whoever Average, average John. Shane Jane. I don't know what the girl version of <laughs> Joe Schmo is, but you could just be <laughs> your average person and have controlling 
tendencies without even realizing right. it's just like your own yeah because it's their own insecurities it's yeah your insecurities and i think all this controlling is just brews out of being insecure like do you get jealous when your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever hangs out with the opposite sex and that just might be because you're feeling insecure in the relationship right. and that's something deeper like you can't just like restrict them yeah, and that's that's another thing too is i feel like my personal experience is like you you try to like save these people who are so like my ex-boyfriend who was super controlling we were together for six years it was like he was controlling to me i see this now i didn't see it at the time but he was controlling to me because his dad was really controlling to him mm. and his mom yeah. so like his dad was like always telling him like what he could do what he could buy he controlled him with money and like all this stuff so in turn he was controlling to me and I was so young and I didn't get it because I had never like I guess I was prone to just being trustful to everyone because yeah. I just was like oh he I was like young and didn't know I was kind of dumb and I was just like oh he says that he knows and he seems really confident even though in reality he was extremely insecure because he was being controlled by someone else so like it's just a big cycle of, you know, like hurt people, hurt people. Like, yeah. You yeah. Heard that? Like, yeah. So, I mean, and it's not even, it's not always like they're out to get at you. They're out to be like, Oh, I'm going to control this person. Like they're not thinking that actively in their mind. It's probably more like a self-esteem issue that's embedded deep in them. For sure. And that's why. And like, you know, as much I think, as I dislike your ex-boyfriend, I can totally <laughs> what, <you> <laughs> just <do>? cash cash. <laughs> Let me just slip that in there a little bit, you know. <laughs> Sorry if you're listening to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> wouldn't that be crazy? He just like decides to check in on you and listen to your podcast. Oh, holy, Corey's up to these crap. days. What a rude awakening! He so would be bad. like, "Holy crap, I feel so attacked." I'd be like, "Sorry, <laughs> coming at he'd you." Probably like, he'd probably like call my dad and be like, "Do you know what Corey's up to these days?" Okay, okay, that just that tells you how messed up that do. is. <laughs> Right. That he would yeah, call your real. father even after you guys being broken <laughs> up like four friggin' years. Anyways, getting back to yeah. the point. Uh, goodness. Um I do I do feel for him because I do know like a little bit into his past and like how he was being controlled and stuff like that. And I always try to explain this to my mom. Like monkey see, monkey do. Like what you do to children and teens really rubs off on them because why the hell wouldn't it? That's how we learn. Right. So right. if you're going to implement those insecurities and control mechanisms and manipulation, like teaching all these things to these people, well, duh, you're right. going to brew these unhealthy relationships in their future. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's so hard to, I guess, watch someone that you love like be in a controlling relationship and and I can speak from my experience of just being in one like you I lost so many friends like I mean obviously you included but like every friend I ever had mm -hmm. for this guy who I thought was like I thought he was like the be all and all of my life and mm -hmm. you know and and it's it sucks like being a part of that and like looking back now I'm obviously much older and smarter and and I can see the signs but it's like when you're young and you don't know you walk right into it blind and yeah. you're just like oh like this guy loves me like he was the first person that like was like I care about you more than anyone else and I was like oh 
And okay. I didn't have like a good like oh, oh shit. <laughs> like, oh damn. But like I didn't have a good a good um example of what love was growing up in my life. Like I know you're like similar. Like yeah. my parents were divorced when I was really young. Like my mom and stepdad hate each other. Sorry, mom, if you ever listen to this. But, like, <laughs> like, you know, like I don't have a good example of that. So when somebody came up to me, like a guy, it was like, I love you so much. I would do anything for you. I was like, oh shit, like cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hasht- sweet. Hashtag mean- daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I wasn't gonna say it, but <laughs> but just put it out there. Mic drop. <laughs> just throw it out there. <laughs> For real. Um, um. Yeah, and I think like when someone kind of like plants their flag on your moon like that, so like full fledged force, you know, you're just like caught in the whirlwind, and you're like, all right, this is happening. This is it. Like, because that's what it was like for me too. Like, he just completely tried to like reshape the way I looked at everyone and made uh-huh. me feel like I was seeing things in a totally different light. So he really like warped me where I was like, okay, maybe he is right. Like, how come I, I I'm not seeing it this way. Right. You know? And like, yeah. And he would like, yeah, that's oh, like, a, that's tough. And he would like Sorry, make it seem like at the same time of like, dragging my self-confidence through the mud he would also like put it on this like pedestal like every time um for instance I had like this classmate in high school um like Facebook message me being like literally like hey do you know what the assignment is for math blah 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 mm-hmm. and uh he had my computer or something like that and he, um messaged him back like don't you ever fucking talk to her ever again she's not interested blah 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 and I was like yo why did you do that that was extreme yeah. he's literally asking about homework and he was like you don't even know like you're so beautiful like he he wants you and blah it, mm-hmm. I'm a boy I know what he means and I was oh my like, gosh I used to hate Whoa. that like I'm a guy I know what guys want like okay like congrats but like that doesn't it doesn't matter what the guy wants if I'm not interested like yeah. I'm not so dumb that I just like I'm just gonna be like okay I'm not that dumb but I'm dumb enough to stay with you so <laughs> yeah, riddle me that hell, like... <laughs> right um yeah um okay I, I feel like I was gonna say something else but let's um what okay sorry what what are we at what time are we at 14 minutes okay so we're like halfway through um okay so let's like switch gears to like how to talk to your friends if they're in a controlling relationship. Okay. Oh, now and that, by the way, that, we're starting out with um, kind of like mini episodes, so they're about 30 minutes long. Yeah. Um, so now that everyone knows that we have daddy issues, <laughs> let's <laughs> switch gears. Because <laughs> um, I think it's this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast or this like um, episode for this podcast because I and I have friends now that I see are in where I was. Right. Like, I think you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Actually, she's probably going to listen to that, so could you probably edit that part out? (laughs) (laughs) We'll try. We'll try. (laughs) Um, But, like, people who I know are are in where I used to be, and it's, like, hard. Like, how do you talk to them about that? Like, how do you say it? Because I remember when I was in that position, if anybody ever talked to me about it or tried to say anything to me, like, oh, he's not good for you, I would... Like, I was so controlled that I would go tell him, like, hey, like, I had a friend mention to me, like, this isn't healthy. Like, I I agree. Like, can we talk this out? And he would just completely flip and be like, 
oh, she doesn't know what's best for you. You better stop talking to her. She's going to ruin our relationship. She just doesn't want us to be together because she's jealous or she's mad and blah, blah, blah. Like, so it's like they, sometimes there's so much of a control over you that you just don't, you can't even get to them. So it's like, how do you talk to a friend that is in that position? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, that's like one that you and I went through and it's like it ruined our relationship. Absolutely. That, you know. And I don't know about you, but like in, in my relationship, I didn't want to confront anything because I was so... Yeah like worn down with anxiety all the time Mm -hmm. like my continuous thought and I see it in our in our friend is this horrible anxiety of like okay I did this now he is gonna be so upset like it's just gonna totally like ruin everything it's gonna be like a four-day fight it's gonna be awful I'd rather not I'd rather not even I'd rather not do anything that I like I'd rather not yeah I'd I'd rather rather sit at home and do whatever he says because if we get in a fight it's just gonna be terrible and I'm gonna be sad and I'm just gonna end up being the bad guy yeah so I'd rather not not do anything and I'd rather just wait until he wants to do something I would rather just be miserable for a little time right instead of like completely like torn upside down right yeah and I think what I would say, I think what really helped me through that is, and it, su- and it sucks, and sometimes it takes a long time, like like I said, probably like too many times already, like it was six years that I was in this relationship, so like it took me a long time to really make the decision to leave, mm-hmm. and even when I made the decision, I still waited like a year and a half yeah. before I actually did it, because it's it's hard, like especially when you're in it for a long time, like it's difficult to you know branch out and be on your own but I think you have to really when you're in it you really have to you have to decide for yourself and you have to decide like this isn't what I want and I need to do it and it's like as a friend you kind of just have to be supportive yeah like be there if don't allow even allowed there Right. And it, and like, I would say like, if I was to go back in time and talk to like past you and I, like, I would say just, just don't, even though it might suck, just don't allow yourself to let him push you out. Yeah. Like be, be like neutral enough where you let her know, like, yo, like that's not cool. But at the same time, don't do anything that would make her go run and tell him. Like, just, I would just like plant little thoughts in her head like oh that's weird why does he do that yeah <laughs> like why is it why is he saying that oh okay like ew, i don't like that okay yeah but like if you i feel like if you come out and confront it like head on like he's controlling i don't like him you know people who are weak like i was are just gonna crumble and be like okay i don't know what to do now. well i don't think it's like the person being weak i literally just think it's them being weighed down by anxiety so if you're piling yeah. more anxiety on top of that person like more to think about more to confront in their mind that's yeah i think i agree it's just gonna crumble their freaking brain they're gonna be like i can't handle it too much pressure and it's gonna be really difficult for them and then they're just gonna retreat into what's been comfortable and safe this whole time and is into their you know emotionally abusive partner so right because he's gonna make or she he or she is going to make oh yeah let's just be clear like this like this is we obviously have male examples because we're straight Right, but... (laughs) But, like, it could be anybody. Absolutely. Like, I hear all the time, other relationships, gay relationships, every kind of relationship, parent relationships. Yeah, yeah, that's, like, a big one, too. Like, mother-daughter relationships. Like, (laughs) that shit's tough. We could have a whole other podcast about that one. We could call it mommy issues. (laughs) 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 We just have parent issues, dude. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But, yeah. Wait, what would you say? 
shit. Crumbling with anxiety. Don't you remember? Oh, 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 right. Anxiety. (laughs) Let me get back on that. Um, It's like, you know, they'll go run and tell their partner, and and it's like the partner, in just a manipulative way, because they have low self-esteem, and and when someone, their partner goes to them and tells them, like, hey, my friends are saying you're controlling, as a defense mechanism, they're going to somehow turn it around on you and try to make you feel like shit about it, and then, without even realizing it, you're going to have to choose between your partner and your friends. Yep. And, and I think that's when, when it gets to that point, if someone's making you choose between them and your friends, that's the point where you need to say like, whoa, I need to take a step back and be like, this person's making me choose. And that's where I failed as a friend. Cause I was like, you know, freaking low self-esteem and shit. <laughs> but like, that's where I should have been like, this is a red flag. Cause even like there were red flags even way before that. But I ignored them yeah. because I was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like, yeah, if someone tries to make you choose between them and your friends, I think that's kind of where you need to realize, like, friggin' shit's going on. <laughs> GTFO. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um, geez, man. I don't know. Like, it's just so messed up and so many of us are affected by it so like i was going over stats with cpro about it on uh loveisrespect.org and they were talking about so like obviously i think we all know that the teen teen population is the most uh vulnerable just because like we're all hormonal and emotional and like trying to separate ourselves from our parents and develop our own anxiety i mean not anxiety (laughs) identity (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we're, we're developing our anxiety yeah too. yeah <laughs> like, we are brimming off. with anxiety <laughs> but um so one of the stats which i was like kind of surprised about but it makes a lot of sense is one in three teens is either sexually emotionally verbally or physically abused how wait you say one out of three one out of three that's like seems high but like i don't I don't doubt it. I mean, like, think of your three closest friends and just think about what they have gone through. Right. Every relationship they've ever been in. Yeah. And that's the thing too. Like we were just saying, like, it's it's not even just like with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, like it's with your parents. It's with like your best friend sometimes. Like it's, you know, like, yeah, you're just so vulnerable to, and you're, you know, as a teen, like you want to fit in, you want people to like you, you want, to make friends. Like I remember being a teenager and just being like desperate to have friends. Cause we were fucking weird as hell. So we were like just trying to have friends, you know, just doing our best, just doing, doing my best. But yeah, like you're just so vulnerable to just let it, you know, every influence you're like trying to make yourself trying to like figure out right. what's cool. What's not, what's good. What's bad what's going to like be a part of your future. And then I also thought that this was interesting and I think this totally played into my childhood. And I think definitely yours is that 81% of parents uh, don't think that teen dating violence is an issue. That would you say 81% 81 of parents don't think that that's an issue, but listen to this 82% of parents feel confident enough that they could recognize the signs. That seems so, that's crazy to me. That's crazy to me because like my, my parents were letting me date when I was like 13. 
I know. And like Which is as young a young as hell. Right? Like as a future parent, there's no way. <laughs> Holy no way. crap. No freaking way. I know like, what shit I was back, getting into. So many things in my life could have gone so differently if my parents just didn't let me have a boyfriend when I was like a prepubescent teen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like so many things could have gone so different. Like and I just I don't you know, like obviously parenting is hard and you can't be on your kids all the time. I mean, like to give them credit, like one your parents had four and five kids. <laughs> right. Like my and parents then, had a full house. And then and two, you were <laughs> you were like a hard freaking nut to crack. Like you are something else. You are so headstrong. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine being your parent and telling you no. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean... But then you can go my route and my parent route and friggin' be so on top and so controlling of me or of your kid or whatever that I just totally went off the deep end. Like, totally deviated from every plan you ever had. Right. We had such different upbringings, which I just think is so funny. Like, your your mom was just so controlling and so on top of you constantly that it's like you were just lying to get out of the house and, like, lying to be with guys, which maybe, maybe is what I would have done. You know, at least my parents were like, as long as you're honest with us. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong, and obviously parenting is hard, so who freaking knows what the right answer is. But right. I don't know. Like, and I guess maybe I was just a psycho, <laughs> but... <laughs> I just feel like that's so young, like, to be in, in the first relationship I was in, uh, wasn't a controlling one, it was, like, one of those really gross ones where we were, like, making out by the lockers in the hallway. Oh, yeah. Like, two emo kids just, like, making out by the lockers. Painting your nails black together. (laughs) (laughs) So beautiful. We used to share eyeliner. (laughs) (laughs) That's bonding. Um, But yeah, like I was just so young and I feel like that's like where it all starts is just like, I felt like I needed a boyfriend then because it was just, you know, like the low self-esteem thing and, and like daddy issues and like (laughs) wanting someone to be there and like wanting someone to be my boyfriend and like tell me he loved me and it was, you know, like that whole thing. And it's like, that's why I feel like I fell so easily into a controlling relationship because I was just so like, oh, like somebody showing me attention yeah because like you didn't have it like you didn't have what you needed and like shout out to dads and future dads right now um and moms but we we will have our mommy issues episode (laughs) we'll have mommy hour hour, so don't worry but um just like specifically boys um I was I heard something a long time ago and um don't quote me on this but it was it talked about how mothers develop the child's personality and father's influence put boundaries on the personality so that makes very much sense very much (laughs) that's why i'm psycho with no boundaries with no (laughs) so i think it's really important and i think um so me and Corey worked in the psych field together for um a couple years Two, three years together. Anyways, and um, we saw a lot of personality disorders, and a lot, a lot of those were ran back to the child's lack of father in their lives, as well as um, their mother suffering from some sort of mental illness or personality disorder as well. So they just had these kind of like unbounded personalities that never had these limits and boundaries set. So they were just left to kind of. Uh, be left with this kind of awful personality right like and that's like in not i mean i think that there is a 
you know, the blame, obviously you need to take responsibility for the way that you act. But at the same time, it's like you, you can't really help the way you turn out sometimes when you're raising yourself. Yeah. And you know, you try your best and some people try to be better and some people don't. And and that's, I guess what ends up happening. And sometimes you have to learn the hard way. I think like we did, I think we are Mm -hmm. continuing to turn out all right. And then I also wanted to say that I think part like I don't know like obviously I don't know about our parents because our parents aren't really ones to admit to this or really talk to us in this way but like did they think about this before they had kids like did they think about being present in their life did they think about their emotional health I don't know no and my I parents think did not. right and I think that I there's no fucking <laughs> my way my mom thought that <laughs> my mom did my mom tells me all the time I never wanted kids yeah and then she had five <laughs> Like, what the hell? How's that working out for her? Um, But I think that... I think that our generation is doing a way better job being aware. And I think... emotionally involved in our kids' Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's... That's that's what's important. I think that's a big part of how we turn out. Like, you know, I'm, like, envious of girls that I would see in high school that they just looked like they were, like... They were strong girls like yeah. they would never let a guy like tell them what to do they would never let a guy like walk all over them and like I always wanted to be that girl yeah which... um I totally agree and I think they had the correct parent structure but we're fast approaching 30 minutes and it's gonna cut out oh okay um all right yeah okay um so wait how much time do we have uh we have 13 seconds 12 seconds <laughs> oh gosh okay so what do we say what do we say at the end um I'm just going to say, watch out for your daddy issues, y'all. Mommy issues yeah. come up soon. Check yourself. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Totally Biased Podcast. Sorry, Corey and Sabs got cut off there at the end. Uh, going forward in the future, we'll make sure that doesn't happen for you. But uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Peace.